0: everyone and welcome to the first episode of Comics and Cinema, a podcast about both comic books and movies. Uh, the comics lean a little more towards Marvel, though I will probably discuss some DC, and the movies lean everywhere. I am a huge cinephile, so I love checking out films in theaters and watching movies at home, so I will be going into detail on all kinds of different movies Uh, And in terms of comics, obviously, whatever comics are coming out or that I'm reading um, will be discussed on here as well. So uh, for this first episode, I kind of wanted to just go over what things are going to be looking like down the road. So um, what I'm hoping to do is to discuss the new comics that come out on Marvel Unlimited every week, along with the new comics that come out in uh, comic shops every week. Uh, I get a couple... Um, I won't be discussing every single one. Um, a lot of the ones that I don't discuss, I'll eventually discuss on Marvel Unlimited. But more of the, the ones that I think are important or that I have an actual subscription for, those will be the ones that I discuss here. Uh, and then when it comes to movies, I'm going to try to um, have an episode up to do a review of each movie that I see in theaters. I do see quite a few movies in theaters, as I am an AMC A-list member. Uh, I get things a week for free. Or (laughs) three movies a week for $19.95 a month but I do not have to pay for any of the movies and technically I don't even notice that money because most of the time I'm trying to see the movie in IMAX or Dolby or again seeing three movies in a week eventually it just pays for itself so uh, I would recommend uh, you join me on that adventure you certainly don't have to uh, because when I do these reviews I tend to Tell the story a little bit. Um, In terms of my background, I used to have a YouTube channel where I had a show called Spoilers. And that was a show where, after I watched a couple of movies in, um, say, like a week's span, I would then do a spoiler episode where I essentially would just tell the entire uh, plot of the movie as best as I could remember it, uh, almost as a, a comedy of uh, to make fun of spoiler channels, because... Um, I would would say spoilers, like, right at the beginning of of the thing, and then I would just talk about all the big parts that happened in the movie, so it was more of a joke, it wasn't more, I mean, I would review the movie towards the end of it, but um, I was reviewing, like, I think the first one I did was the the original Godzilla, not the original Godzilla, but the 2014 Godzilla, um, I think Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and, Maybe a Criterion movie that I had watched or something—just random movies—and I would do that. And um, so this is not going to be that. This is going to be a little more organized. I'll uh, probably only talk about one or two movies at a time. It just depends on you know how I'm feeling. But in regards to the movies, um, what I'm planning on doing there is, uh, like I said, reviewing the new movies that I see in theaters. I was thinking maybe monthly, doing a. Um, A Criterion movie. I have a a large Criterion collection and uh, I think it would be really fun to go back and revisit all those movies for you guys and um, tell you my thoughts on those along with any other movie that I'm watching, like I plan on uh, re-watching all of the um, MCU movies, the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, um, so I'm sure I'll be talking about those and doing some things like lists of uh, what my top, uh, th- I will reveal what my list order is, I'll tell you this much, I have lists on imdb i have um, many lists that i would love to go into detail with and will go into detail with on this podcast uh, for future episodes uh, but like i said this first episode is more going to be a preview of kind of what's to come in the future so just for example um some of these that i'm some of them are still in progress some of them are pretty sure fire at this point i've got a list of all of the Tarantino movies i have uh, i do yearly lists so i actually have my top movies from 1997 all the way until this year and that um, i don't know if any of you subscribe to uh, imdb but their their ratings ranking system is uh, a one out of ten and um, i i like that i I just like it more because it stores all of my movies so i can remember every single movie that i've ever seen as long as i rate it it's going to be in my list but uh, I've heard people discuss the one-to-five star ranking method. I've also heard people say that they don't like ranking movies. And to them, I say congratulations. You truly are free because uh, I just I can't help myself. And, I, you know... It's probably something that I got to work on for sure because uh, sometimes when I'm in the movie itself, I go, "Wow, this—you know—this <laughs> is a clear five. And uh, to me, I don't like doing that, but it just happens because if a movie's a five, in my opinion, that's a little less than great, or a, I would say it's a little less than okay. Um, and just so you're all aware, my ranking system as well is something that I'll go into before I um, will finish all these lists, I've got a list of all of my all of the Spider-Man movies ranked along with a list of all of the X-Men movies. That's Fox's X-Men movies. Uh, all of the DC uh, movies, the technically the DC Universe. I know they didn't want to call it that. Uh, the Harry Potter movies, also the Star Wars movies. And then if I'm feeling really crazy, maybe one day I will try and more likely cry doing my top 250 movies, which I do have as a list. I would say it is... accurate and that is just because it is so hard to rank movies it is it's impossible it I mean clearly it's not impossible because I've done it but I haven't done it well and I think that movies are just like any other art form they're subjective and you can't you can't put them in a box but you sure can try and that's what I've been trying to do so uh, I will be doing that And um, along with that, like I said, that'll be basically one portion of podcast episode will be dedicated to movies, and I'm still going to be trying to figure out whether I'm going to do movies and comics in the same podcast or in different podcasts. I guess it's just going to depend on how much time I can talk for, if I can't talk very long, I may do both of them in the same one, or uh, I may do them separately. And if we're shooting for pie in the sky kind of ideas, my original plan was to do a um, marvel unlimited monday a new comics wednesday a throwback thursday and a film friday and what that was going to be is obviously on mondays i would have an episode that goes over all of the marvel unlimited issues that are out that week as marvel unlimited releases the new comics of the day six months back i guess six months backlog backlog so if a comic comes out today In six months, it comes to Marvel Unlimited, and uh, it's a really cheap way if you can't afford constantly buying comics every single week uh, at their full price Uh, when you're at a comic shop. You can just subscribe to Marvel Unlimited, which is uh, $69.99 a year, $99.99 a year if you want it to be the Marvel Unlimited Plus, which gets you a couple extra bonus features. I have the $69.99 uh, a year. You can also do monthly, but uh, if you love comics, it's a better deal to do the yearly because uh, at sixty nine ninety nine, uh, just for a three ninety nine comic, that's going to put you at um, seventeen comics, and that's that's three ninety nine. Some comics are four ninety nine, but if you think about it, seventeen comics, uh, you could read seventeen new comics within just a month on Marvel Unlimited, of just the new ones coming out. That's not including their entire library that they have. And um, it's extensive. I think at this point they have almost 25,000 comics on there. So there, there's a great opportunity to learn more about uh, Marvel Comics and to learn more about the Marvel Universe, see where those favorite scenes you have come from from the Marvel movies, and all obviously follow along um, six months six months behind the rest of us Uh, for your favorite issues and now that's that's kind of where I am on this I have a subscription at my local comic shop that's Hall of Justice Comics in um, uh, Parker Colorado and um, and they're fantastic but I also do uh, Marvel Unlimited so I subscribe and I might as well go over that in this first issue as well in terms of what comics I'll be talking about I am currently subscribed at my comic shop to Absolute Carnage which comes out next week, and I cannot wait to talk about uh, House of X and Powers of Ten, both by Jonathan Hickman. Which, uh, who, if you if you don't know who Jonathan Hickman is, he is a phenomenal comic book writer, uh, phenomenal writer in general. He does a lot of great things. He did uh, the Manhattan Project for Image. He did uh, also um, was the something it's not something wicked this way it comes east of west i think is what it is i may be wrong i read it I, I, I enjoyed it but um the big things that he did he did pax romana he did night shift i think night shift sorry i'm going off off the top of my head right now uh, but for marvel he did uh, secret warriors and then he did uh, fantastic four and uh, the future foundation back to back and then he did the avengers and new avengers and within that giant run, he had his Infinity Saga, his own Infinity Saga, if you want to count it. Uh, but that was what the um, uh, Avengers Infinity War was based off of. And uh, and then at the end of that, it culminated in Secret Wars, which was a really great and beautiful art in all of his stories, along with his just very high concept storytelling strategy Um, his every single book that he's touched has just immediately turned to gold in terms of the possibilities um if you watch rick and morty at all there's a rick and morty episode or uh, i guess a theme throughout it for the council of ricks and that is in part based on the council of reeds which is from his fantastic four run and um Like I said, it's just, it's everything he's done is mind-blowing. He also did S.H.I.E.L.D., and it was basically the the past of S.H.I.E.L.D., when S.H.I.E.L.D. started. So that's the S.H.I.E.L.D. from the movies uh, that Phil Coulson was involved in, that Nick Fury runs. But um, his comics are like Leonardo da Vinci was in S.H.I.E.L.D., and all of the other famous sort of Illuminati-type people from back in the ancient times were in S.H.I.E.L.D., which uh, is just, it was so cool. So, such a head trip because if you're not careful you can get lost really fast in his stories so he's he's revamping the x-men currently in uh, house of x and powers of 10 which is written as powers of x and it's it's big marvel's been branding this for quite some time as a complete um, relaunch a complete change of the entire x-men line there are no other x-men stories out right now and um it's, it's phenomenal. We're one issue in on each of them, and my mind's already been blown multiple times. It's just it's a fantastic story, and so I can't wait to see what he's going to be doing on that. I'm going to be following that closely and um, talking about it any chance that I can get because those ones are great. Along with that, I am also subscribed to uh, Silver Surfer Black which is by Donny Cates. And I'm just reading these off of the order of what uh, comics are coming out in, uh, in my comics that are coming out in August. So Silver Surfer Black is a spinoff of Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'm also subscribed to. Uh, and Guardians of the Galaxy, I guess I'll take one step back and just say Donny Cates is a genius. He is a god. Uh, the same way that Hickman writes high-level uh, concept sci-fi stuff Donnie cates is the guy you want to go to when you want to complete um not retcon but i guess just complete refresh and revamp and rebranding of a character a team what, whatever it is he just has this way about him that the way that he he writes his stuff is so uh along with obviously the artists he picks but you know none more so than i guess ryan stegman just the way that the stories are they are just it's hard to describe but like I would, I would say Metallica-like, they're very hard rock, and there's just a lot of action and cool beats, awesome character twists that um, you wouldn't expect, and I'll go into detail on that more, in, in and I'll probably have a whole episode dedicated just to Donnie Cates' material that isn't out yet, that has come out in the past, because every I've, I've read all of it, and all of it is great, It's it's something to be read and um, so his, his Guardians of the Galaxy is um, about the Guardians of the Galaxy and they are essentially, uh, originally the first uh, six issues which already came out we're on like issue 7 or 8 right now but um, we're on issue 8, issue 8 comes out August 21st but um, it's just, it's a brand new team it's a team of a lot of characters that I enjoy that we haven't seen in a while, it's uh, Peter Quill, Gamora, Dra- not Drax, um, Peter Quill, Gamora, uh, Groot, uh, and, and it's a, it's a, of course, a rocker Groot. It's like a, it's not adolescent or teen Groot, but he, he talks in full sentences and he has uh, punk rock hair for it, like wood pieces sticking out and spikes on his head. And then, um, Phylavel and Moondragon are in it as well, along with Be- Beta Ray Bill and, um, Lockjaw, the inhuman dog. Uh, But there's also guest appearances by his Cosmic Ghost Rider and Thanos. It's just a wild series. And spinning out of that series was Silver Surfer Black, which is just so trippy. The art is nuts. The story is only, I'm only two issues in on that one, and it's just mind-blowing. The art is just so surreal. But then the story as well ties into not only Guardians, but it also ties into his Venom run and uh, that's just been so cool to watch because what's happening in Silver Surfer Black is probably going to directly affect Absolute Carnage which uh, again is coming out next week the first one and it's a 72 page bible it is huge Um, so I can't wait to check that out because again anything that Cates does is just absolute gold and um, the next one is uh Oh, Magnificent Miss Marvel! I can review that one certainly. I'm uh, on issue six. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. I uh, purchased that one, and what'll happen too is, in order for me to cut costs, a lot of times uh, I'll buy these runs and then I just resell them on eBay to uh, other people who obviously want to read them as well. Because I keep the digital copy, and oftentimes, especially if um, just in terms of space, I'm, I'm I try to be as minimalist as possible. So I. I have to like for certain stories I want to read them immediately and the only way to read them immediately is to buy them immediately. But it's kind of, it's cheaper obviously to wait 6 months but everybody is talking about them right away so that's how I combat that is I I buy them right away but then once I've collected a group of them I sell them on eBay to someone else and let them uh, enjoy it as well and then I can always go back to it on um, the Marvel app or again in six months when they come out on Marvel Unlimited and I believe that's it nope I've got Thor and I have Venom 7 Venom 17 and Thor 16 so Venom obviously is also written by Donny Cates and art by Ryan Stegman Thor is Jason Aaron and uh, there's actually only one issue left in his Thor run he's got Thor 16 coming out And then he has a four-issue King Thor series coming out the following month with uh, his um, co-part artist, Issa Rybik. And I I don't know if I mispronounced that or not, but uh, the person that he did uh, the artist on his original Thor series. So Jason Aaron is also another great writer at Marvel, um, someone whom I really respect. He has, if he him and Donny Cates are very similar just because they both have that same sort of hard rock mentality to their stories where they're just like his is obviously it's, it's Norse mythology and he really goes into the God of Thunder and he, he wrote a giant series with Isad Rubik um, back in the day, back in, I believe that was 2012 and he's been writing Thor since he's the one who debuted uh, Jane Foster as Thor In um, the mighty, it wasn't Mighty Thor; it was just regular Thor. One, though, she technically premiered in the um, what is it? Original Sin series, which was not a good series. Um, But the only good thing to come out of it was all of the secrets that it revealed. And uh, so, his last story—he's been writing Thor for um, what would that be? Seven years. And this is his last story: is the King Thor story, which I'm really looking forward to. That's a four-issue series. That's the other thing, too. Those ones I may review just a little bit later because uh, I am not getting those right as they come out. Those ones are being shipped to me from Midtown Comics. I pre-order those ones... um, in advance two months in advance so that i can save some money on them and they're ones where i don't i don't need to read them the day that they come out but i want to get them kind of soon i don't want to wait six months that and it's again it's jason here and you can't really go wrong with him in regards to marvel unlimited though i read almost every series that comes out on marvel unlimited there's there's a few that i don't read but for the most part each week i'll have at least you know just depending on how many comics come out at least five to ten that i'll talk about Um, But those other ones are the ones that we would be talking about weekly. And then another treat that I have for you, which is something that I'm pretty passionate about, which is the Previews magazine for Marvel. And that is every month they release their previews for the coming two months in advance. So it's kind of like a a mail order sort of thing where um, here's what's coming out in October but we're telling you about it in August. So they just released their August one for what's coming out in October. And it's a, you know, it's like 100 pages. It's basically every single comic, every single graphic novel that's coming out. And I'll be doing that once a month too, discussing which, um, you know, which books I'm really looking forward to, which ones look interesting. If there's any, um, you know, insights that I can tell from what I'm reading this. And obviously too, any great, um graphic novels that are coming out as well. And so, you know, what I wanted, I want to let you know too, in regards to this is, um, I love comic books. I've loved comic books ever since I was little. I've been reading them, whether that's in graphic novel form or on my iPad or straight from the comic shop, any way that you read comics is the right way to read comics. Don't ever let anybody tell you that one way is better than the other, or, you know, heaven forbid, it's just that reading comics in general is bad. Reading comics is amazing. We as humans uh, read books, and those books have words, but they have no pictures. And uh, sometimes it is nice to stare at a painting the entire time that you're reading an amazing story. Who wouldn't want to double dip into that art bin, right? Who wouldn't want to have, you know, stare at... God, some of these stories, the, the artists that are on here, it's like they're painting tapestries. And it's just, it's beautiful. So any way that you can get your hands on that sort of quality art, I highly recommend it. So whether that's you were waiting six months for Marvel Unlimited, buying stuff from your comic shop, or waiting until they come out as a graphic novel, um, that's a great way to read them too. I have a giant collection of graphic novels and omnibuses that um, I've collected over the years of great stories and runs. Yes, I have Hickman's stuff. Uh, why wouldn't I? It's the best. But uh, in regards to that, there's um, there's just a lot of great comic stuff to go around. And right now, despite what people may say, uh, and I, I will tell you this, I'm a very positive person, and I will most likely never discuss anything that's negative in regards to um, comics or movies. I, I, you know, and I may touch on it sometimes, just in terms of trying to get a rebuttal in there, but. Typically, there are. I've heard that there are people who um, bash comics or specific creators or specific writers. And don't get me wrong, there are certain instances where I can see that something is a complete crack cash grab, absolute complete cash grab. For you want an example? All right, Marvel Comics one thousand the 999 comic that's coming out next month that has maybe 15 different variant covers that you can buy that are all with star studded people along with a giant cast of writers and a story pitch that's very interesting a thousand comics uh what is it uh 80 years of Marvel, they're telling a story that's over 80 years, or each panel, it's an 80-page book, each panel is a year, I think is what they said, whatever it is, it's, ooh, that's exciting, but DC just this year was also doing Batman 1000 and or Detective Comics 1000 and Action Comics 1000, which were both 9.99 and 96 pages, just the same as this book is. So you go, oh, you know, is it really Marvel Comics 1000? I think uh, it isn't because when I saw the interview from C. B. Sibolsky, who is the editor in chief at Marvel, he mentioned that it is, you know, from the he said from the beginning of. Um, at what was it, Marvel or Timely Comics number one, back all the way back in 1939 to now is a thousand would be a thousand issues, and I was like, okay, cool, let's just do the math. And so I did the math from that day, and it is not; it is like 989. So they are clearly, um, they're clearly reaching. And I'm gonna do my math here real quick because I yeah I don't believe that either. So I mean, you can do the math yourself. 80 years uh, divided by 12 months of a com or times 12 months. 80 times 12 is 960. So they're 40 issues short. Um, but hey, you know, I'm sure they they always do that when they do the big uh, 700, 600 issue. They'll always put in a, a cover. Glossary at the back that shows every single issue of Spider-Man that shows how it got to seven hundred, and sometimes they toss in the annual or they toss in some extra comic and go, oh, "Yeah, well, technically, Superior Spider-Man was part of Amazing Spider-Man." Well, okay, all right, you know, I, I, I'm not going to question it. I'm just saying, obviously, it's a cash grab. So there are times where I do question this stuff, but in terms of creators and. Um, People working on the books, that is not something that I tolerate at all. I think the comic book creative space is sacred. These creators are, they're creating art every single day, just the same way that any book author is, the same way that any musician is, and the same way that any actor is. They're doing the exact same thing, they're telling stories. And for, I don't know, 70% of the time, maybe more, those stories are phenomenal. And yeah, sometimes they're cash grabs, but at the end of the day, they're still just stories and they're, they're ways to teach people how to read, teach people how to, you know, forget their troubles or just to escape from reality. And, uh, it's a great experience. So, um, I'm just really looking forward to giving positive feedback to most of these books. Again, if there's a book that isn't good, I will say it. I'm not going to sugarcoat that, but it's because I don't like the book. It's not because I don't like a specific person or because. And I will even correct it on that too. There are some specific people that I don't like, and it's not because of who they are. It's just because of their work product, and that is not something to be ashamed of by anybody. If if because uh, it, it's all subject, artist subjective. There's certain artists that I don't like that when i look at their art i either it detracts me from the story or it's just it's hard for me to process and i'm sure that's the same for other people out there as well so um, that'll be something that i discuss as well is the um the monthly preview magazine so um like i said in two with the movies um we'll do lists i'm going to try to do the criterion movies and um any other movie that comes to mind obviously you know any big movie news or specifically any big Marvel news that's going to be stuff that I will definitely be discussing as well Um, but the main thing is just going to be comics and movies and like I said I will try to see if I can get them both to fit in one episode if not that's fine I'm just trying to figure out too how long I want these episodes to be because I certainly don't want someone listening for too long and I don't want to uh, talk for not enough, and then not have enough information out there. So, um, what I'm going to do to wrap it up, I talked a little bit about House and Powers of uh, House of X and Powers of Ten, but I wanted to talk too about the last movie that I saw in theaters, which was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, um, this movie is Quentin Tarantino's ninth movie and um t- it, that's that's technically i i think he's the one counting because um he's done some other things too uh he guest starred in uh or guest directed sin city he uh did um a lot of stuff so here's what i'm going to do for you i'm going to tell you what he did and then we can talk about how great this movie was so quentin tarantino has been around for quite some time I am not finding where his other movies are. I'm on IMDb right now, but I think I can go off, off heart. He's got nine movies that he's counting. That is uh, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, um, Inglorious Bastards, Kill Bill One, Kill Bill Two, Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and what am I forgetting? Ah, Django. So that's that's nine. And again, he guest-directed Sin City. He was one of the four directors in the movie, I believe, was called Four Rooms. Um, so he's done other things, along with Death Proof. And um, it was a what, two-piece with Death Proof. And I don't remember the name of the other movie. I'm blanking. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a long movie at 2 hours and 41 minutes. And uh, it stars Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Though, take your pick on who you want to be top billed on this one, I guarantee you. I'm pretty sure it was uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, but really him or Brad Pitt could have been the one um, up at the front. Obviously, Leo had more screen time, but Brad Pitt killed it. They all killed it. The movie is about a a fading actor in old-time Hollywood. The movie is set over three days in um, Hollywood in 1969. Two days... In, um, I think it's like February, and then one day six months later in August, which is the day that Charles Manson, and again, I will be talking spoilers on all this stuff, so um, when Charles Manson kills Sharon Tate in real life... Um, that's the the final day. So it basically follows uh, Rick Dalton, who is uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, who again is a kind of a Western movie star, and was in some um, shows, movies, along with his stunt double Cliff Booth, who is played by Brad Pitt. And then Margot Robbie is playing Sharon Tate, but I'll get into her a little bit more in the minute. I want to discuss the friendship between Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio because it was amazing they worked so well together. They worked well off of each other. And, um, some of the best scenes I thought were when they were in the same room together in the same bar room together, driving together and just chit chatting. Cause, um, I'm all about that great friendship in a movie and they, they really killed it with it. Uh, there's also some great scenes in the movie in terms of comedy. Um, it's really funny and yeah, I know I said spoilers, but I, I think there's a couple of things that I don't think should be spoiled in a movie, including the ending. I won't. I won't share exactly what happens. Only that if you're a fan of Tarantino, you will enjoy this movie. But um, it was just great. the The scenery was phenomenal. The set pieces and production design was just. It was. It was a knockout. Um, you can really tell Tarantino made this movie because he, there's there's a lot of care in everything. There, every single set feels like it's been lived in, like it's an actual movie set, even though it's probably you know a movie set on a movie set, but it just felt like real places. The soundtrack was gorgeous. All of the songs were just perfect for the time period. Um, there's even some great radio shots in there. There's, there's great TV scenes too. They do a lot of old movie TV, and um, that part was great as well. And Like I said, the the, the ending was phenomenal. and and Surprisingly, not as much action as I thought there was going to be. Obviously, there was a really fun scene with Bruce Lee, but um, I don't think action was the main part of this movie. This movie was more about Hollywood than it was about fighting. If you want an action movie, go check out literally any of his other action movies. This one seems more like a love letter from Tarantino to Hollywood kind of saying this is this is kind of how he feels um, the 1960s were back then and, and how he wants to honor it, which is fine. It, it's a very, very reminiscent uh, movie or a very nostalgic movie, I guess you could say, for those those old times. Um, but in terms of some of the drawbacks in the movie, um, like I said, I, I kind of thought there was going to be more action, and that's okay that there wasn't, but um, I thought there would be, and so that was kind of a, a bummer. And then Sharon Tate herself was very underutilized. Now, I will say that she was given as a great representation of uh, Hollywood or of the new sort of stardom of Hollywood, which is kind of who Sharon Tate was at the end of the day. She was a a young actress that was, you know, her career was just beginning before it got taken from her. And um, so that he does a really good job of not giving her so many lines as to giving her so many responses and emotions to the, the scenery around her. There's a great scene with her going to the movies to watch her own film, that just it just feels like that sort of La La Land type, um, just hey I'm in Hollywood I made it sort of thing. Hearing everyone around you enjoying the film, and then there's also some great scenes of her at home or driving where, um, I don't know, she's just a, and, um, and so she's more of an idea or the idea of what Hollywood could be, should be sort of thing. Whereas, um, you know, Leo and, and Brad Pitt were kind of playing the, the current day or the the past, the Hollywood of the past. So that was one part. I kind of wish she had more lines. I wish she had some more stuff, but I get it. it, it she it, it was done well. And, um, the other thing I didn't like though, and the main thing that I didn't like was, uh, the driving. So if you're a big fan of cars, if you're a big fan of highways, if you're a big fan of roads and street signs in Hollywood, then you know what? This movie may just be for you. Some might say that this movie is a really great two-hour movie about fun times in Hollywood and also a 41-minute documentary about how to drive in Hollywood because um, there's a lot of driving and it's, it's not 41 minutes, but it's... Uh, x amount of minutes too long there are just especially on my second viewing i saw the movie twice and uh, on that second viewing i just i was like oh boy here we go because i there's just there's a scene where brad pitt gets in his car and you get to look if you love brad pitt this movie is for you and if you are a car guy and you love brad pitt getting in and out of cars getting, um, you know, backing out his car, making a left-hand turn with his car, waving at hitchhikers in his car, um, changing the dial in his car, looking around out his windows in his car. That's the kind of movie you're going to be in for because that's what this movie is. You get to see him in a car. You get to see Leonardo DiCaprio in a car. You get to see Margot Robbie in a car, um, Oh, you get to see Roman Polanski in a car with Margot Robbie doing almost the exact same driving scene that Brad Pitt did only minutes before. It uh, look it, just, it 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 certainly weared on me. I don't know if it was going to wear on you, and I hope it doesn't wear on you. But uh, just to, just so you know, when I watched it the first time, at the very end of the movie, I thought, you know, there's there's a lot of driving. But while I was watching the movie, it really it really made sense because he wanted to capture that. That feel, and literally, when they're driving, it's it, it's gorgeous. So, like I said, it, it's like a documentary. It's like just driving around old Hollywood. You get to see the old old signs, the old neon lights, and um, it really makes for a great movie in that sense too. If you're if you're wanting the classic Hollywood movie, this is your this is your bet. Go check this movie out. It was great. I gave it a nine out of ten. Uh, it was that good. And um, like I said, even those even those nitpicks, it's a Tarantino movie and um, Tarantino's just he's got this way of writing and this way of making just the the weirdness of the movie one thing in particular that stands out obviously is the dog food in the movie is uh it hey it's it's good food for mean dogs and you can get it in squirrel flavor raccoon flavor rat flavor bird flavor and um yeah so there's there's that there's actually even a marvel shout out in the movie to uh both kid colt and uh uh, sergeant fury and the howling commandos the the comics of that time so that was once upon a time in hollywood and we're getting close to the 40 minute mark at this point point i am shocked that i made it this far but you know what like i said i've got some things that i want to share with you guys and i I really want to discuss and so i'm really looking forward to doing this more um like I said, I, I could talk a little bit more about House of X and Powers of X, but uh, I don't think I don't I don't think you guys really want that right now. Um, go go out and buy the go out and buy the comic, check it out for yourself. And um, uh, who am I kidding? I'm gonna I'm gonna do it for you. I'm gonna do it for you, and I'm gonna do it for you quick. I'm just gonna give you my my thoughts on both of the series. And and that's it. I'm gonna start with Powers of X though because I've got them downloaded on my iPad, and uh, I just have that one downloaded because I was talking with some people on the Discord last night, uh, which is a huge shout out to uh, Paul Herman. That's um, at Paul Herman22 on Twitter. I'm not sure P Thug um, for uh, getting me to do this. I really appreciate it, man. Um, and I hope uh, I hope you or anyone else who's listening to this enjoys it. Powers of X or Powers of 10 number 1 is a uh, it's a sister series to House of X and uh you can if you want read only one or the other but it is highly recommended that you read both both by Hickman and anyone else. So um Powers of X is essentially a uh a timeline story. So what he's described it as as Powers of X kind of Powers of 10 shows the history and future of the X-Men from, um, and it's not a spoiler because it's the first page, but essentially the reason it's called Powers of Ten is because it's following X, which I'm, I'm taking to be Xavier, for X amount of years to the nth power So to the zero power, which is when Xavier initially started the X-Men or had the idea to start the X-Men, and then to the power of one, which is year 10, and that is, uh, I guess, the current uh, Xavier, which to me is actually interesting because at that point, does that mean that Hickman is indicating that there's only been 10 years of X-Men when in fact, obviously there's been, um, what, like 50, 60 years though. I don't think it's been 10. I think maybe in the comics universe, it's probably been like 30, but I don't know. So we'll see. And then, uh, to the power of two, which is a hundred years into the future. And then the power of three, which is a thousand years into the future, which if you think that's crazy, um, just keep reading it because, like I said, I'm going to give you a brief treat sharing that with you. So, um, yeah, you're going to have to check out the rest on that one. But it basically did, uh, tells the stories of those four time periods, which is insane. And then from there is House of X. And uh, my copy isn't loading, but I do obviously remember it. I read it multiple times. House of X again takes place during a seminal month. In the X Men's life. And that month just happens to be when Professor Xavier is now a very different person. He's walking, he's got a mobile cerebro on his head. And so you can't see his face except for the bottom of his face, and is basically putting up a proposal to the human race, to the uh, leaders of a lot of nations across the planet, saying, I have some. some things to share with you guys, some benefits. They are uh, pharmaceutical drugs, Um, three of them, in fact. One of them increases your lifespan by five years, just automatically. I assume it says it's in pill form, I think. And then one of them um, cures – it's like a cure-all for diseases of the brain, so like any mental disorder. And then the other one, I believe, was like an autoimmune – that basically doesn't make you, like you can't be sick. Essentially, things that all humans want because they don't want to die. And um, so he wants sovereignty. He wants people, the human race, to acknowledge that the um, the mutants are in charge. Essentially, that they're the new gods. That they have powers and they are here to stay. And doesn't he doesn't look like he wants violence yet? But he's definitely leaning towards. I want this no matter what. And so essentially, if they cooperate and just let them live in peace on their newly uh, minted land, which is the island of Krakoa, the living island of Krakoa, which is actually a mutant as well, um, they will not bother anybody. They just want them to be, they just want to be left alone. And um, that's essentially what starts this. So very interesting to see how it will move forward. And i um, not sure yet as to what it means, but uh, we're one issue in. Next week is House of X 2, and that is supposed to be a huge issue. On the back of these comics, he's got a reading list of, of all the issues, uh, Hickman. And uh, he's got three of them marked in red. He's got House of X 2, and I believe House of X 4. I'm going to double-check my math. And then uh, Powers of X 6, so um, apparently there's three comics that are very, very important. Yeah, no, it's House of X2, House of X5, and Powers of 10 6 So House of X2 comes out next week, and that's supposed to be a very important one. Apparently that's a an insane issue, so I would highly recommend picking that one up so we can all talk about it. And um, I think that's where I'm going to wrap this up. So thank you guys so much for listening to this first episode of Comics and Cinema, where we talk about both Marvel Comics and the movies that are out in theaters, and just movies in general. Uh, I look forward to talking to you guys next time, and thanks again.